Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 34 of The Bowery Boys. It's lunchtime at Cat's Deli. Yes! Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. The Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at Eurocheapo.com. Hello there and welcome to the Bowery Boys. My name is Greg Young. Tom isn't here this week. It'll just be you and me and Food. Yes, today we will be talking about food. In particular, three places in Manhattan, Lower East Side, where people have been noshing on salamis, herrings, and knishes for over a hundred years. If I do not get you, or at least myself, hungry by the end of this podcast, I have not done my job. The Lower East Side of today is a collection of cocktail lounges and restaurants and condos and luxury hotels. What it used to be a hundred years ago, actually, what it used to be ten years ago, has almost completely vanished. But a hundred years ago, this was the center of immigrant Jewish culture in New York, a really rich mix of Eastern European cultures. The blocks from Houston Street down to Canal Street on the east side of Manhattan were filled with vastly overcrowded tenements. Around the late 19th century, in fact, the population density of this area was three times what it is today. But there was also a very unique adapted lifestyle to this place that preserved the older European customs, but tailored it for life in the big city. Now, I don't want to be Mr. Gloom and Doom here. I mean, there are some side streets in the Lower East Side, particularly below Delancey, where you can find remnants of this orthodox, old-school Jewish culture. But from Delancey up to Houston Street, Houston being the northern border of what we today call the Lower East Side, is pretty much in the middle of a rapid transformation. So it is in this context, then, that it's actually nice to discover three old stalwarts to this old world that still exist. And funny enough, all three of them sit on Houston Street and often in the shadow of major contemporary developments. The most famous of the three, the I guess the scrappiest of them all, if you want to say, is without a doubt Cat's Delicatessen at 205 East Houston. I tell you, you can look back at New York City history and obviously name sort of better, ritzier restaurants like the original Delmonico's, Elaine's, the 21 Club, but if you were to ask anybody what the most New York restaurant is, Cats would totally win every single time. And I can't find any words to say this, but going to Cats, it's kind of a trip. You know, it's one extremely large, brightly lit room with the walls lined with photographs of virtually like every New York celebrity you can possibly imagine. You walk in, you're given a ticket, and trust me, don't lose that ticket. And you can just walk up to the counter and then choose from a menu that probably has not changed in decades. 
pastrami, which of course Katz is best known for, and briskets, and cheesesteaks, and chili dogs. And well, let's just say the words low fat have never been uttered here. Now, there's always been a deli at the Cat's Corner of Houston and Ludlow since 1888, but that first deli was opened by the Iceland brothers. It wasn't until 1920 that two Russian-born brothers by the names of Benny and Willie Katz, with their partner Harry Tarowski, purchased the place and renamed it after themselves. Around this time, there were almost 60 Lower East Side delicatessens that specifically served Eastern European Jewish cuisine. Back then, the hot beefs, as they say, were tongue and corned beef, with things like turkey and cheesesteak obviously cropping up more recently. Katz was also a true kosher deli back in the day. Today, it's referred to as kosher style. Today, meaning, well, not kosher. (laughs) Breaking a few ancient Jewish laws. Anyway, the slogan of Katz is officially Cats, that's all, which happens to still be written on a sign out front. The legend about that sign and the slogan claims that owner Benny Katz hired somebody to paint a sign for the front of the store. But what should the sign say exactly, said the painter. Benny replied, Cats, that's all. By the way, every time I start talking about cats, I start talking like a New Yorker or, or a Saturday Night Live version of a New Yorker. I can't tell. Cats hit the popular imagination of America in the 1940s during World War II. The owner's three sons were enlisted in fighting, so it would be natural, of course, to pack up some salami, if you're the owner of Cats Deli or something, and send it off to them. And so they decided to take that little bit of goodwill and get the rest of the United States involved. So they adopted the slogan, send a salami to your boy in the army. And it was thus that Kat's mail order business was born. I'm sure more than one soldier opened his delivery of fresh salami from Kat's deli and exclaimed, how am I supposed to kill the enemy with this? By the way, you can go online and still send a salami to your boy or girl in the fighting forces in the Middle East. So you, if you want to check that out, if you think they'd like a salami. Cats, like the other two traditional storefronts, which I will mention in a second, have remained virtually unchanged since their beginning. In 1946, they did expand nearly twice their size, but the biggest change occurred in 1988. That's 100 years from the opening of the first deli at that corner, when the descendants of the Cats family sold their restaurant to Fred and Julie Austin and Julie's brother, Alan Dell. They were Lower East Side natives who had grown up eating at Cats, and they have actually taken it into a still authentic, I'm not saying it's not authentic, but a decidedly more tourist-friendly destination. That first year, in fact, is when they started lining the walls with photographs, most of them featuring at least one of the owners with some celebrity, a tradition which, of course, still continues today. You've got Jerry Lewis, Neil Armstrong, Johnny Depp, Sarah Jessica Parker, Oh, Mayor Bloomberg's a big fan, judging from his appearance on the wall. A few presidents have even stopped in at Cats, including Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter, and unsurprisingly, President Bill Clinton, who met the entire staff and then, in Fred Austin's own words, quote, ate a huge amount. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The new owners also opened the door up for movie shoots, most famously when Harry met Sally and the famous scene when Meg Ryan fakes an orgasm to the interest of an older woman who then remarks... (laughs) 
I'll have what she's having. Now, down the block from Katz is a small storefront at 179 East Houston that looks strangely out of some old 1940s movie. It also has an unusual but rather charming name. Russ and Daughters. Around the turn of the century, a Jewish Eastern European named Joel Russ arrived in America. Now, a fairly do-it-yourself way for making a living back then for enterprising young men in the Lower East Side was in operating a pushcart, you know, a, basically a rolling store where you could sell various goods, foods, products, whatever. Well, anyway, Russ operated a pushcart through the streets almost 100 years ago selling herring. He was actually successful enough at selling herring to open up his own store in 1914, which he called Russ's Cut Rate Appetizers. Russ was, well, a bit cantankerous. So for some serious customer relations, he actually enlisted his three young daughters, Ida, Anne, and Hattie, to help out at the store. Now, although the conditions of, say, working in an unair-conditioned store that sells herring and lox and caviar might be a tad unpleasant, especially around the summertime, but the situation was made a little bit more appetizing for the customers by seeing these three young, attractive ladies as clerks. In fact, Russ's was almost as renowned for his daughters as he was for his world-class caviar, and it should come as no surprise that all three women actually found their husbands through associations with the store. So eventually, in 1940, Russ renamed his store Russ and Daughters. Kind of a bold move back in the 1940s and in a Jewish neighborhood. Amazingly, Russes have actually worked in the store ever since then. People, it's been the same family, kept in the same family ever since. And they still work there today, including Joel's great-granddaughter and her cousin, the store itself is incredible. Although, you know, everyone does go in there for the fish and the caviar, of course. I personally, I hit the candy counter there more than once and pretty hard. So for our third Jewish culinary institution, all you need to do is walk down a couple more blocks on Houston to 137 East Houston, right next to the movie theater. And it is there that you'll find Yona Schimmel's Knishery. Say it with me, Yona Schimmel's Knishery. Yona Schimmel's Knishery. I just love saying it. Uh, for those uninitiated in the joy of the Knish, your standard issue street Knish is basically like a breaded pocket filled with mashed potatoes that you, or me, helpfully slather on a lot of mustard. At Schimmel's, though, the knishes are a solid, round, almost muffin-like disc that are filled with mushrooms and spinach and sweet potatoes and cabbages and you name it. The namesake of Schimmel's, the rabbi Yona Schimmel, by the way, was an immigrant from Romania who came over in the late 19th century and discovered in busy, heavily Jewish Lower East Side that there were actually plenty of rabbis already here. So instead, in 1890, he decided to make his living selling his wife's homemade potato knishes and kasha. But he didn't start selling them in the Lower East Side, believe it or not. He started selling them in Coney Island. Schimmel sold kasha and potatoes literally on the beach, crowded with city folks basking in the sun. This being the days of the birth of Coney Island's major amusement parks like Steeplechase. So business boomed for him. Like Russ, he eventually did take up a pushcart in the Lower East Side, working it up and down the crazy streets, already filled with other successful pushcart sellers. However, Schimmel, and assumably his wife's recipes, were successful enough that in 1910, he opened his small little shop here on Houston Street with his cousin. 
Within a couple years, Ol Yonah the rabbi went back to teaching Hebrew, but his cousin's family and Shimmel's own daughter kept the business going, and they all still keep it going. At least for most of the 20th century, city mayoral candidates always had to do a kind of like a symbolic stop at Yonah's, a conditioned hand, and oh yes, to greet a few of those richly desired Jewish voters. As Yonah Shimmel's conishery, Again, say that five times fast. As Jonas Schimmel's knishery nears its 100th anniversary, they're up to the fourth generation of Schimmel, just like the Russes. And in fact, for their knishes, they've been using the same recipe for decades. They may not be the most up-to-the-minute taste sensation, but you get a little taste, literally, of the neighborhood that once took root all around here. So anyway, that's my little East Houston walking tour of the Jewish Culinary Institutional Delights. I actually have the blog updated with a couple more that I left out of this little rundown. So please visit the blog at www.boweryboyspodcast.com. And especially in particular, if you like pickles, I urge you to check that out. By the way, if you're in New York and you're fascinated in Lower East Side history, I completely urge you all to visit the Lower East Side Tenement Museum, which gives you a sort of vivid technicolor, an idea of what it was like to live here and to thrive here in this world. And it's totally fascinating. Then afterwards, obviously, you just walk up a few blocks and stop at one of these three places, depending on the degree of your hunger. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'm signing off to probably go eat now. Thank you for tuning in. Tom's back next week with another exciting episode up our sleeves. So have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.